John chapter 18 is the, the passage, and I'll read verses 19 through 24. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I also taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together, and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, to the high priest. So here is one episode in what we call the Passion of Christ, of the whole episode of the cross, even before Jesus goes to the cross. He's being questioned here by Caiaphas, excuse me, Annas, the high priest. And Jesus does not have to incriminate himself. That was one of their laws. You did not have to say anything that would incriminate yourself. So Jesus is saying to them, and his full legal right here, ask those, I've spoken openly, ask those. And here this officer of the high priest, Annas, who... Um, Annas really re- was not even the high priest at this time, but he had controlled the whole priesthood. It was actually his son-in-law, Caiaphas, who was the acting and the official high priest at this moment. But Annas, once he had gotten himself in there in about 4 B.C., he kind of took control of the whole thing and controlled it for about 45 years where it was either one of his sons or his sons-in-law that would be high priest. So he was, he was almost like a, um, a mobster, so to speak, just controlling this whole situation. The corruption, the corruption that was going on with the priesthood was, was so deep and so terrible. And there's such irony here that this officer unknowingly strikes Jesus and says, is that the way that you speak to the high priest? When Jesus Christ is the great high priest. And we've been studying through Hebrews on Wednesday nights, and Jesus Christ is the great high priest. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 says, the main point of what we've been saying is that we have such a high priest who has ascended into the heavens. And this officer of the earthly, corrupt high priest, who isn't even really the high priest, strikes Jesus and says, is that the way that you speak to the high priest? And then we see the way that Jesus responds. I was given the Passion Translation for Christmas. And the Passion Translation, it's a newer translation, you haven't heard of it. Um, the translator tries to really come from the Aramaic. And, and what would the actual Aramaic have been saying? Because that was the, the language that they spoke at that time. And you see some places in the Gospel where this happens. 
for instance, when uh, Mark and Matthew quote uh, specifically what Jesus said on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, that's Aramaic. And uh, they, hearing that, they think he's calling for Elijah, you remember. But what he's actually doing, he's quoting Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And But Matthew and Mark are giving us the actual Aramaic that Jesus spoke. And for that purpose. So that we'd understand why they were misunderstanding what Jesus was saying. And Jesus on the cross was uh, crying out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What David had written poetically, maybe even, even using some hyperbole, Jesus was feeling the fullness of everything that that phrase could possibly mean at that moment of what it would feel like for God's presence and comfort and help and blessing to leave him at that moment. And he did it so that we never would. So that we would never go through what Jesus felt of all of the graces of God being removed from him at that moment. Why, even an unbeliever living on planet earth right now is experiencing some of the grace of God. Even if it's called common grace, they're experiencing some of the grace of God. Now, I bring up that passion translation uh, for this reason. When I was reading through it in John chapter 18, uh, it reads this way. Verse 22 Just then, one of the guards standing near Jesus punched him in the face with his fist and said, how dare you answer the high priest like that? And I know I've thought of it perhaps that way before, but I really didn't think of it that way. And when I read it like that in black and white, it just grabbed a hold of me. And it grabbed a hold of me in a way that I felt as though God wanted me to then share that today. And it's very biblical to do this. It is very biblical for us to view our present circumstances and our difficulties through the lens of the cross and the passion and the difficulties that Jesus himself went through. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, after saying, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who, remember, despised the shame and endured the cross. It says, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. So what... The writer of Hebrews is there saying, remember the cross and think about what Jesus went through because you need endurance. Jesus endured the cross. He despised the shame. He did not enjoy the shame. But he endured. Think about that. Think about him. Consider Jesus. And this, I believe, we are supposed to do. Also in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 19. 
Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. So all through the Bible, you have people who receive a word from God. They receive instruction from God. And then by faith, they're supposed to live out and carry out <clears throat> that instruction that they receive from God. And there's always resistance and there's always uh, suffering because of it. And it's simply because the light has shone in the darkness <clears throat> and the darkness is not happy about it. And so there will always be this persecution, this resistance, this pushback to the light. And so thus Peter is writing to uh, these in the early church and he's saying, you're suffering, but remember the one who has suffered and keep on, keep pressing forward with your endurance. Galatians chapter 6 is the next passage that I'd bring uh, to your attention about this, about focusing on and thinking and remembering the cross, remembering all that Jesus endured and went through, and somehow, in some way, that allowing and helping us to continue to do good things that we're called to do, even in the midst of suffering. So in Galatians chapter 6, Starting at verse 6, the apostle says, The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap uh, from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. And looking at that, I understand that someone might say, well, wait a minute, I didn't see the cross. It's in verse 12. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. I don't know what's coming this year. 
Nobody really knows what's coming this year. I don't know if it's, things are going to get easier and better. I don't know if they're going to get more difficult and darker. If they get darker, I know this, we're supposed to shine brighter. And it's in this dark night when Jesus is arrested that the official of the corrupt makeshift high priest balls up his fist and strikes him, punches him in the face and says, how dare you speak to the high priest that way? Has that ever happened to you? I hope not. But to many it has happened. And I know maybe you didn't come to church today to think about that. But I would ask this, how did you or how would you respond if or when you were or could be punched in the face? If you go back to John chapter 18, you'll see Jesus responds in what appears to be this self-controlled manner. He does not and did not lose control. That's what endurance seems to be to me. It means through all the pain and all the difficulty and all the oncoming winds and the inclines and the hills and everything else that you continue forward in a self-controlled manner. There's something about when we hear about other people enduring suffering and going through difficult moments that it causes us to admire them, but it also even inspires us to somehow seek to do the same when we're faced with the same difficulties. There's a book that I'd love to have the time to read, and I don't, and hopefully I can maybe even get the audio version of it. It's called Endurance, and it's written by Alfred Lansing, and it's about Ernest Shackleton's exploration across the Antarctic, where that trip did not go as planned, but it went horribly wrong, and the things that those men had to endure to try to survive that trip, and did survive I don't know why I want to read books like that. But there's something about when you hear of other people and the things that they endured and the things that they went through. Something about it not only causes us to admire their strength and their endurance, but it inspires something deep inside of each of us to continue on and to press on just the same until the day that we are called to be home. Jesus would give up the ghost. He would give up his last breath. He would cry out, it is finished. And at that moment, he would pass into his father's presence in paradise. And the glory which, which he had before the world began, he would then experience once again. But until that time and at that moment, Jesus in John chapter 18 verse 22 endures. And so looking at that, I thought to myself, when I think about the cross, I see a punch, 
I see a slap in the face and I see a kiss. Did you ever notice that? In verse 18, the slaves and the officers were standing there having made a charcoal fire for it was cold and they were warming themselves. And Peter also was also with them standing and warming himself. Verse 25, now Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it. And he said, I am not. I think of that like a slap in the face. How must must that have felt to Jesus? Turn it over, if you would, uh, to your left to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, starting at verse... 20, or 59, Luke 22:59. Luke 22:59 says, "After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, "Certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too." But Peter said, "Man, I do not know what you are talking about." Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. How did Jesus feel? How did Luke, I mean, how did Peter? Denying that he knew him, this was had to have felt like a slap in the face. Now here's the thing. When I think about this punch, I think things like when Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. What must this official have felt? Can you imagine being the one who would do this to Jesus? You know, even the centurion, after seeing Jesus died, said, this man must be the son of God. Can you imagine, had you been this one? And then my mind is taken to Acts chapter 2, when Peter says, this Jesus whom you crucified. Who crucified Jesus? In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, it's according to the predetermined plan of God. We could say it was God. The, the Romans crucified, we could say it's the Romans. You know, the Jews handed him over, we could say it was the Jews. But Peter turns to the crowd and he says, you crucified him. Here's the truth. I'm guilty of all of these. When we take control, when we lose control, when we fight for control, Jesus, and that's what the officer, this high priest does, he decides he's going to take control of this moment. And Jesus said, remember, as much as you did it to the least of these or did not do it to the least of these, you did it unto me. 
And the slap, what is the slap like? Have you ever denied Jesus? The slap is like when, when we're quiet. When at the office we don't speak up like we should speak up. Or when we're around extended family, we don't quite speak out and stand up for Christ the way that we should. The slap in the face is when we're just trying to protect ourselves. And so I see a punch and I, I see a slap. And then I see a kiss. Verse 48. 47 says, while he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came and the one called Judas, one of the twelve was preceding them and he approached Jesus to kiss him. Luke 22 verse 48, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to all of us, but to none of us on the level that this has happened You know what I think that this is like? See, Judas is trying to pretend like he's on the inner circle here. This is like the times when a person will come in and, oh, raise their hands in worship or shout hallelujah right in the middle of the singing so everybody knows that they're in church and they want everybody to think that they have this close, intimate highly spiritual relationship with Jesus. I'm on the inner circle with Jesus. And they betray him with a kiss. So you see, when I look at these, I see to myself that I'm guilty of all of these. And I think of how Jesus endured these things. And then I think to myself, I don't only want to admire Jesus for the way that he endures a punch and a slap and a kiss, but I want to emulate him. I want to model the same sort of power in my own life. So I need him to do that. And somehow, in some way, this helps me to keep everything in perspective. We don't have to do some of those things so that people think that we're with Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, they could tell, seeing Peter and some of the others, that they had been with Jesus. And yes, Peter was restored after his denial of Christ. But Peter has another moment a little bit later on. As we're told, the Apostle Paul tells us that even Peter was standing aloof when, when Paul and others had arrived. And he was acting like he was not eating with the Gentiles. Do you remember that? We, we all get faced with these moments like this. And how thankful should all of us be for the grace and the forgiveness of Christ Jesus. And if through such endurance or with such endurance and through such persecution, if Jesus can extend forgiveness to others, then can we do the same? We who say we believe in Him and follow Him and love Him and aspire to be like Him, can we do the same? I don't have to go on too long to tell you of what a time of Hatred and turmoil and division in our country and in our churches and in our families we're all dealing with. But if we could remember the one who never deserved to be punched 
And it happens again in chapter 19 of John, doesn't it? Where they each take their turns. And he never loses his self-control. And I look at that and I say, then, Lord, couldn't we? Couldn't we pause for a moment? And couldn't we marvel at Jesus for his endurance and then desire in the deepest part of our beings to emulate him, to be, to inspire, to aspire, that is to be more like Jesus is. It all comes down to how we look at things. It all boils down to that. You know, there's different ways of looking at 2020. Twenty twenty was a very difficult year. Some have even said that twenty twenty uh, was the worst year in America's history. I don't think that it was, uh, just because of what I've read about wars and times in the past in our country's history. But it was a very tough year. Um, had heated debates and heated election, horrible pandemic, a senseless murder in Minnesota, senseless riots, hatred, division, suicide rate increased, alcohol sales increased, the media said we were a failed society, many weren't able to have graduation ceremonies, many weren't able to have wedding ceremonies and funeral ceremonies. And that happened to me personally, that I was not able to attend my biological dad's funeral uh, because it was back in April when COVID was so soon. And then others say, you know, we can look at this a different way. Others have said this actually was one of the best years in human history for us to face a pandemic. In 1950, there was no such thing as a, there was not one ventilator available in 1950. In 1976, we didn't, we didn't have the genome necessary to even read a coronavirus. In 1990, um, we just finally had the World Wide Web. So we would not have able, been able to keep up with things like we've been able to keep up with. And we did not even have the technology to come up with mRNA vaccines uh, in 2005. And so here this year to battle a pandemic like we have battled, to be able to have Internet and ventilators and things called Zoom and Microsoft Teams, and our Facebook Live and all of these other things and all of these other ways to get the message out. And, and even in, in our little body of believers, how on either Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings, we've been able to communicate the, the message of the Bible to people in Virginia and, and Colorado and Wichita Falls and, and uh, all around uh, Kansas, a couple of different places. What I'm trying to say is it all comes down to the way that we tend to look at things. And when I look at the cross and when I look at Jesus and when I think about who Jesus is 
and what he did and what he endured on our behalf, I actually do want to be on the inner circle with him. If you'll notice, notice where these people are um, who are doing what they do. Um, Peter is in the courtyard, but he's warming himself. The, the high official, he's right there in the courthouse. He seems, he seems like he's on the inside. So he, he appears as though he's closer in. And then uh, how he assaults Jesus. And then Judas, Judas pretends as though he's really deep on the inner circle. And, and if you, if you think about most Christians, and it seems like that's kind of, they're somewhere in one of those categories. And I'll just speak for myself. I want to be one of the authentic ones who abides in him and he abides in me. Because all three of these guys, Judas, Peter, and the high priest official, I see all three of them doing these things because they're so mindful of what other people think. Clearly the high priest official does this because he wants to look good in front of Annas and all the others standing around there. Peter denies Jesus because he is so concerned about what everybody else is thinking and what they're going to do. And Judas is so mindful of how he's appearing in front of everyone else also. And yet we look at Jesus. Do you marvel at him like I do? Do you, mar- do you admire him like I do as I look at these? How his self-control and how he clings close to his father during this time, even though knowing that his own father would abandon him for a time so that you and I would never, ever be abandoned. And so I would just say to any of you here today, if you recognize that you've been on the outside kind of warming yourself beside the charcoal, if you've been on the outer zone, uh, away from the suffering and away from the inconvenience, then it's time now for us to really get serious and to press forward. I really didn't feel led to give a message about how wonderful now 2021 is going to be and how all of our troubles are behind us, because they're not. And we need to be praying and drawing close to Jesus. And it is time for all who call themselves Christians to get serious about what they say they believe. Well, I hope that this has spoke to you. Let's pray. So, Father, I've shared this and delivered it, not necessarily in the way that I thought that I would, but I hope I've said enough uh, for you to use for your kingdom. And I pray that you'd help each person here to think about what they have heard today and then to apply it in whatever way you see fit. And so help us to do this, Lord Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen.